the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Good to be with you on a Friday. End of the week is always a welcome arrival. End of a week with a holiday week. End ahead of us is doubly nice. But of course, our excitement uh, over whatever we had planned for Memorial Day is tempered by the extreme sadness and array of emotions that we all feel in the aftermath of the school shooting in Uvalde, Texas this week. Uh, As is often the case... The initial reports from the scene are proven not to be 100% accurate, in some cases not even remotely accurate, uh, after we get more accounts of eyewitnesses, wait, this doesn't stack up with what I saw, and that is very unfortunately the case in Uvalde. We will go through that with you today, and we'll try to lend some perspective to familiar themes that are being sounded about how these kinds of things can be prevented, or how these kinds of things come about. I would tell you that most of the conversation that I have heard from politicians and opinion shapers so far have been simplistic and short-sighted rather than looking long view through a wider lens at what I believe contributes much more greatly to the depression, anxiety, uh, sense of uh, loss that I think are common to deranged, demented individuals who perpetrate these kinds of despicable crimes. So you are invited to participate in our discussion if you choose 844-TALK-989. It's the number 844-TALK-989, your emails. Direct him to Bruce at SalemMedia.com. That will get to me whether you are listening on 94.5 The Answer in Dayton or 98.9 The Answer here in Columbus. We will not do an entire show on Uvalde because I believe it would be disrespectful to our many veterans and to our many Gold Star families not to pause to talk about the sacrifice given, the reason why we celebrate Memorial Day, and to thank those who have served or are serving. We'll do that with Jason Beardsley, the Executive Director of the Association for the United States Navy, at 11.30 today. And at 12.30, we will visit with Matt Mayer of OpportunityOhio.com. There's something very weird, strange, going on with um, uh, Lieutenant Governor, (laughs) sorry, Mike, Lieutenant Governor John Husted. Uh, he has um, John. If you if you're looking for a really good part time job, 
You know, John Husted has uh, talked about Intel coming to Ohio and the role of Intel in Ohio, and uh, and that's great. Uh, not so much if you have to relocate from Jersey Township or Licking County, or not so great if it's going to become an area that's not at all why you move there. But progress, you know, has its impact, wide-ranging. I don't dispute that Intel is a great thing, and I look forward to having an Intel representative on the show very soon to talk about it. It's it's Things change. A lot of people don't like change. I'm myself resistant to change. Wouldn't like it if Intel brought a factory right across the street from me because I like my rural setting. But John Husted has talked about you know Intel and jobs, and he's a guy who touts his bona fides bringing jobs to Ohio. But I really think John Husted might be the king of part-time jobs. Did you know that lieutenant governor is a part-time job? It, it must be. No, it actually is. I was told that by another person who was running for lieutenant governor on another ticket in the primary. It is considered a part-time job. But they've also given clearance to John Husted getting paid a lot, I assume, although he won't say how much, which tells you it must be a lot, or at least it would be a, a, a lot that you'd go, What? John Husted is getting paid as a director of Heartland Bank, which I don't have anything against Heartland Bank. It's just more odd to me that the lieutenant governor of the state of Ohio would be on the board of directors of a bank while he's lieutenant governor of the state of Ohio, while that bank could theoretically be doing business with entities that are being courted to the state of Ohio by, guess who, John Houston. So we'll talk to Matt Mayer of Opportunity Ohio about that today at 12.30. But we start with the very unfortunate continued revelation that the timeline in Uvalde, Texas, is not what we were originally led to believe. Okay. It's unfortunate the timeline is different than we were led to believe because anything that takes our focus off the grief of the families at this point in time, I think is a misplaced priority. I get it. There are political points to be made. There are demons to be identified. There's blame to be assigned. And I know the temptation to do so is great because Democrats are underwater, way underwater in the polls as they head toward the midterm elections in the fall. But I think at least a week is appropriate to just focus on the families, the grief, those beautiful little children who lost their lives. But instead, we have to immediately get answers, immediately know the blow by blow. I get it. I'm a journalism major, much as it embarrasses me to say so now, given what a sad excuse for journalism, the journalists of today's colleges are. But we got to have a press conference in the immediate aftermath of what happened in Uvalde, and we get stories that the shooter was engaged outside the school, that he was pursued by police from his grandmother's house. That came from the mayor of Uvalde, Texas. You would think he would know. The shooter was pursued. I heard him say it on television. The shooter was pursued by police from the grandmother's house. And I thought at the time, well, how did he get from his truck to the school? 
He was accosted by, we were told, accosted by a school resource officer outside the school. Then why is the door unlocked? And he can walk in the door. Okay, I get it. The door officer might have run out. The door got jammed. The officer forgot to shut it. It didn't lock. Okay, that happens. Why wasn't the school on lockdown? Why weren't the classrooms locked down? We now are getting a much different timeline of events. So there's a news conference yesterday in Uvalde, Texas, and I think the best thing for me to do is to play it for you and hear uh, the explanation of a uh, Department of Public Safety officer from the state of Texas talking about what really happened instead of what we were initially told did happen. It was reported that a school district police officer confronted the suspect that was making entry. Not accurate. He walked in unrestructed initially. So how did you get in if it was a school that's supposed to be locked during the school day? So, so right now, you know, during the investigation, it appears it was unlocked. So we're going to look at that and try to corroborate that as best as we can. Was there a school officer on campus, and was that school officer armed? Because that's what we've been told. So at this time, no. No. There was not an officer readily available. Should the officers have gone in sooner? Should they have completed those tactical teams, or should they have gone right now? That's a tough question. That's a tough question. Again, it goes back. Our job is to report the facts. What were the officers okay. doing between 11.44 and 12.45? I got Those you. Some good questions. Yes, sir. Behind that. You, you guys have said that he was barricaded. Can you explain to us how he was barricaded and why you guys could not reach that door? So I am taking all your questions into consideration. We will be doing updates. We've been given a lot of bad information, so why don't you clear all of this up? That's a great question. They've been given a lot of bad information. Why don't you clear all it up? The families are owed that. And the answers have to be truthful, even though the answers may indicate a failure on the part of police officers, school officials, or anybody involved. The families are owed 100% transparency. And it appears that the officers did not go in right away. Here's what we know of the timeline with several days perspective. 11.28 a.m. Central Time. Uh, Ramos crashed his Ford pickup truck into a ditch, then ran toward the school. He fired at two people when he left his truck. He fired at the school. He apparently roamed around outside the school for a few minutes. He entered the school. Well, it was more than a few minutes because he crashed the truck at 1128. He's seen on the surveillance video going into the school at 1140. 12 minutes. Officers did not arrive on the scene until a few minutes after that. They did not enter the school until 12.45. So he's been in the school five minutes. They apparently were fearful of gunfire that was coming through walls of the school. And they chose to fall back, call for backup, marshal a tactical team, and waited more than an hour before going in and neutralizing the threat. President Joe Biden is scheduled to go to Uvalde, Texas on Sunday. Uh, I can hope that he'll provide some 
healing for the families. Um, I don't hold out tremendous hope he will do that because he's been a miserable failure. I know at everything. But in particular, bringing the nation together or just striking the right tone. He failed badly in Buffalo. Wait a minute. Ten dead African Americans. Woohoo! White supremacy. I can play off that. And then we get the Texas school shooting. And, well, uh, was it a white guy who did the shooting? No? Okay, well, plan B. Let's demonize the gun lobby. Yes. So Joe Biden has demonized the gun lobby. And he kept taking the Lord's name in vain for the gun lobby, the gun lobby, the gun lobby, the gun lobby. So uh, you know what I'm about here on the show? Facts, right? Facts. Facts matter. So I did a little research on gun lobby. If the gun lobby is the lobby that all the politicians pay attention to, then the gun lobby must be spending inordinate amounts of money, throwing luxury dinners, feathering the campaign nest of Mitch McConnell and Jim Jordan and every other Republican legislator out there. So I just, uh, I even use Google. I even use Google, the left-wing slanted search engine Google, not DuckDuckGo. And I just said, how much does the gun lobby spend lobbying Congress? And I found a story from Fortune Magazine. Fortune Magazine? It's not a conservative magazine. Fortune Magazine says the gun lobby has spent since 1998 $190 million lobbying Congress. Now, granted, I would I would like to win $190 million. That's a lot of money. But over 24 years, the gun lobby spends an average of $8 million a year to lobby Congress. Now, I'm sure they don't spend just $8 million every year because guess what? When there's a Republican in the White House, there's probably not going to be much headway made toward violating the Second Amendment. But when ooh, Barack Obama is in the White House or when Joe Biden is in the White House, well, then, you know, ammo sales go up, gun sales go up, and efforts to take guns go up. And so the gun lobby probably spends more. But on an average basis, the gun lobby spends, since 1998, $8 million a year lobbying Congress. $8 million. Now there's, what, roughly like, let's just say 200, 210, 215 Republican House of Representatives members. And there's roughly 50 senators. So you, you got to divide 8 million by like 265. Doesn't seem an inordinate amount of money to me, but I could be wrong. So then I said uh, to Mr. Google, who spends the most to lobby Congress. And it turns out, you know who spends the most to lobby Congress? Do you want the long view or do you want the short view? Well, uh, the short view last year, the entity that spent the most to lobby Congress uh, was Facebook. Facebook, at least in the tech sector. Facebook spent $20 million, two and a half times. The average that the gun lobby spent. Amazon spent $18 million. Uh, Google spent $8 million. Microsoft spent $9 million. Apple spent $7 million. So big tech spends a lot of money lobbying Congress. And over the last quarter century, which is you know the same long view I gave you of the gun lobby, the pharmaceutical industry over the last 23 years 
one less year than the gun lobby spent $190 million. How much do you think the pharmaceutical industry spent lobbying Congress? $5 billion. $5 billion. Pharmaceutical industry. Uh, the insurance industry, $3 billion. The electronics, manufacturing, and equipment industry, $2.8 billion. Electric utilities, right there with them, $2.8 billion. Business Association, Chambers of Commerce, our old friend Steve Stivers, who won't come on the show because he's afraid I'll ask him about his difficulty, I presume, sleeping at night because he portrayed himself as staunch, conservative Steve Staunders, Steve Stivers, all those years we were stupidly voting him into Congress so he could quit on us in the middle of his last term and take a soft landing spot with the Ohio Chamber of Commerce where all those personal values that he said he upheld while he was in Congress fighting for you good old conservative people out there. Uh, uh, Steve is cowering in fear of defending House Bill 616. Steve, who took just beautiful pictures with his wife and kids and put them on all his campaign literature. Uh, Steve now, because his kids are you know, probably older than the third grade, he's not really worried, I guess, enough about the gay and transgender lobby uh, foisting its sexual identity orientation nonsense on kindergarten, first, second, and third graders. Steve now is, uh, you know, ensconced in his corner office and he doesn't have to answer questions about it. He just issue a statement every now and then, duck and run and hide. Business associations, Chamber of Commerce, Steve Stivers and Company, $2.7 billion over the last quarter century lobbying Congress. More than oil and gas. They're way behind at 2.5. Maybe they ought to spend more. Joe Biden wouldn't ruin their industry or do everything he can to ruin it. Manufacturing and distributing industry, $2 billion. Hospitals, $2 billion billion. So spare me your trail of tears, Joe Biden, about how people in Congress are beholding to the gun lobby. When I just named eight or nine organizations that spend multiple 10 times as much lobbying Congress over the same period of time. Okay. Does the gun lobby maybe have a person or two that they really, really back? Probably, yeah. But the reason why the guns are not confiscated is because our founders saw fit to put together a constitution with a second amendment that entitles us to have the right to keep and bear arms. And if We have learned anything post-COVID, post-COVID lockdown, post-mask and vaccine mandates. It is that giving away an inch of power to anyone else is a really dangerous thing to do. We will talk with Jason Beardsley next. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.